0: What is your favorite vampire novel? I'm going with Young Adult because that's my favorite. But other than Dracula, what is your favorite vampire novel?
1: Girl, I haven't read anything. Oh, Carmilla. I'll say Carmilla because it's short and it was written before Dracula. And a lot of people think that it inspired Dracula. It's definitely not as well written but it's just a short interesting story and it was ahead of its time because it was a it was a female villain and she was creepy and complicated and weird and the i don't know i liked it
0: wasn't it like mostly girls in the novel yeah it was
1: it was a female victim i guess or a female lead and then it was a female um female vampire what is wrong with me carmilla right carmilla vampire yeah I i liked it
0: i think i read the the plot summary of that when i was looking up um gothic romances and stuff like that and vampire stuff
1: it is like people consider it like a lesbian love story but i don't really think of it as a love story as much as just like someone is preying on someone else it's not like a relationship, which could be argued for Twilight as well.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> same. The same. Um, My favorite vampire novel is a young adult novel. My friend and I read it in high school, and we both loved it so much. First of all, because it was a standalone. At that point, they were like, oh, man, we can make so much money off these teenagers with our four five book series and so i
1: was excited or like 15 yeah oh
0: my gosh yeah it was oh my gosh now it's called eternal i forget who it's by but it's about vampires and angels <laughs> oh man it's so great <laughs> the only problem is it does not hold up as an adult mm, yeah like i love that book because it was like The angel, like everybody had a guardian angel, and technically this one girl's guardian angel had failed because she became a vampire, so he got like demoted, and he had to save her. It was like crazy, and we are lit.
1: Welcome to Lit in Love. That's the name of this podcast. I'm Haley.
0: And I'm Mariah, and we are lit and in love with lit and the love that exists within lit.
1: Lit meaning literature hi
0: (laughs) we like books and we have our bas in english so we are totally qualified to give our opinions on couples in the books you know and love
1: so today we will talk about dracula by bram or brahm stoker um as you may have guessed from our little intro talk have you ever heard of it hmm it's a bit of an indie novel just kidding it's huge
0: so many draculas
1: yes count chocula Imagine that. Imagine Bram Stoker waking up and somebody asking, hey, do you want a bowl of Count Chocula? And he's just like, excuse me?
0: Maybe like the vampires won. They did it. Vampires won. (laughs) (laughs) So the writer of this novel, Bram Stoker, is Irish, which I was excited to learn. And he was born around the time... That Withering Heights and Jane Eyre was uh, written or published, which is cool and connects us to our later or our previous episodes. And in his lifetime, he was better known as the personal assistant of actor Sir Henry Irving, who he really liked, and business manager of the Lyceum Theatre in London, which Irving owned. Thank you, Wikipedia, for these great facts.
1: Yay! I gotta say, I did rely on Wikipedia for this episode because life got a hold of me this week. Okay, so so Dracula is set in the late 1800s and was written in 1897 in Transylvania, which means land beyond the forest. Transylvania is in modern-day Romania in Eastern Europe and it borders on the Southern Carpathian Mountains. So this book is another book I don't know why my voice went up, in the gothic genre, continuing our gothic streak into our third episode. So this book is written in letters and diary entries. So it's considered an epistolary novel. Um, That just means that it's written in letters. I don't know why it has such a fancy name. So to review um, from our past episodes, gothic fiction is very heightened in emotion. It's heightened in scenery. It has supernatural elements. It has the grotesque intertwining with romantic. The characters are often in unfamiliar terrain. They're on edge. They're scared. They're horrified. They're creeped out. In this case, there's haunting creatures stalking them. There's death lurking around every corner. There's themes of sex, consumption, sin, and darkness. This book is very, very in that niche. It's very gothic and it's very dark. There's a lot more death. Yes. In this
0: book than there was in Jane Eyre or Withering Heights. Yes.
1: I mean, there. I don't even know if that's true because a lot. I feel like a lot of people died in those books, but it was just kind of like, well, that's life. Like, that's just how life was back then. But in this case, it's like they didn't have to die.
0: I guess, yeah, like unnecessary death.
1: Yeah, so murder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> guess you just got murdered? Okay. <laughs> just like this in my this book is kind of a big deal in general. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about the characters, a little plot summary, and then we're going to talk about the various couplings in Dracula. There's Dracula and his harem, one couple. Jonathan Harker and Mina. Is it Mina, Murray, or Murray?
1: I would say Murray. Okay.
0: Jonathan Harker and Mina Murray, who becomes Harker. And also, Mina is Haley's cat's name, and it makes me happy.
1: Literally, we named our dog... Lizzie Bennett from Pride and Prejudice, and we named our cat Mina Harker from this book.
0: Pet goals. Yes. And then the last couple is like a love square, I guess. It'd be a love square with uh, Lucy, Arthur,
1: Quincy, and Dr. John Stewart. So interjection. Something that has always bothered me about the phrase love triangle is that it implies that the lines are all connected when really it should be like a love just – a love carrot you know the carrot that you use like in punctuation like when you're correcting yeah. someone's grammar and adding a word yes so in this case yes. it would be like a love uh maybe like a number three or a letter e or like a a rake or a trident
0: <laughs> Ooh, i like that one love trident it's a love, love trident mm. there you go reinventing tropes of literature love ya <laughs>
1: okay continue so
0: i have separated the characters of this novel into three different groups the super secret vampire hunting club first group second group vampires who end up being hunted by said secret vampire hunting club third group extra characters (laughs) don't really fit into those two i love it uh, groups so the first group vampire hunting club The president of this group is Dr. Abraham Van Helsing. He is Dutch, he's a philosopher and a metaphysician, and one of the most advanced scientists of his day, and he has, I believe, an absolutely open mind. That was said by Dr. Seward, his friend. Dr. Van Helsing is a very energetic doctor friend who seems to know everything, especially about the supernatural. He doesn't let modern medicine get in the way of the fact that a vampire is on the loose. He is ultimately the reason that the hunting group defeats Dracula because he realizes that there's a vampire and they need to stop it. He also thinks that Mina is the bee's knees, but is also casually misogynistic like the other male characters and says things like, Mm -hmm. she has a man's brain and a woman's heart. Like, why can't she just have a woman's brain and it'd be great. And he is one of the only characters that has a full-on, like, paragraph description in the book. And it is written by Mina. And I will read it to you now. He is a man of medium height, strongly built, with his shoulders set back over a broad, deep chest, and a neck well balanced on the trunk as the head is on the neck. The poise of the head strikes me at once as indicative of thought and power. The head is noble, well-sized, broad, and large behind the ears. The face is clean-shaven, shows a hard square chin, a large, resolute, mobile mouth, a good-sized nose, rather straight, but with quick-sensitive nostrils that seem to broaden as the big, bushy brows come down and the mouth tightens. The forehead is broad and fine, rising at first almost straight and then sloping back above two bumps or ridges wide apart. Such a forehead that the reddish (laughs) hair cannot possibly tumble over, but it falls naturally back to the sides. Big dark blue eyes are set widely apart and are quick and tender or stern with the man's moods. Wow. This description that she doesn't even afford her husband. <laughs> I guess it's because that she's meeting him for the first time and in their journal entries and she's probably already written what Jonathan looks like. But still, it's a lot of description.
1: But women love a good forehead, as we learned from Rochester. Yes.
0: What is that called? I forget what that's called. The... The liking the facial features and that like means things. Oh. Oh yeah. Charlie yeah, Bronte was
1: like really into it. Wait, John Seward is also Jack Seward? They call him Jack
0: at some time. Stupid. I know. I think it's because he named two of his character John. Wait, who's the other John? Jonathan. <gasps>
1: Oh, Jonathan. Oh, stupid. I always think of him as Jonathan. Yeah.
0: Also, at the beginning when we were typing the Google document, uh, we were spelling his name wrong. It's Joe
1: Nathan. Oh, I wasn't even trying. Don't worry about it. I was
0: like, wait a minute. Why is it wrong? I was
1: so confused. Hmm. No, I don't care. (laughs) There's a lot of ways to spell it. It doesn't matter. Okay. All right. Uh, Physiognomy
0: is the word about the forehead.
1: Physiogamy, that's nutso. But that's the word, it's like
0: beauty mm. in the face, etc. Okay, the vice president of this group is Dr. John Seward. Some of his friends call him Jack. It might be confusing at times, but usually they call him doctor to differentiate between Jonathan Harker and him. He is an administrator of an insane asylum that is located near one of the homes the Dracula purchased in England. He likes using modern technology like phonograph recordings and modern practices. It is very hard for him to believe that vampires exist, and he almost goes crazy himself trying to figure out what is causing Lucy's uh, mysterious blood loss. He loves Lucy dearly and is rejected by her, but he throws himself wholeheartedly into healing her. What a guy. And he's the vice president because he and Dr. Van Helsing are doctors, and I guess that they're the top people to deal with vampires, doctors are. So the secretary is Mina Harker. She works as a schoolmistress. She is hardworking and intelligent. She wants to be helpful to Jonathan, so she learns shorthand and how to use a typewriter, which proves to be useful when compiling vampire knowledge. She ends up being a victim of Dracula, but the vampire hunting club saves her. She is the model conservative woman. She's the opposite of the new woman who she actually pokes fun at. The idea of the new woman came about with the first feminist movement in the late 19th century. And it's weird because she sometimes seems like a new woman, but she has the mindset of the conservative woman. Yeah. It's difficult to deal with when you're reading it because you're like, Mina, own you being a boss. Own who you are. The treasurer of this group, is Arthur Holmwood, basically the financier of the whole vampire hunting group. He is very wealthy, and after Lucy and her mother die, he inherits all of the Weston Ra moolah. He is the one who won Lucy's affection, uh, but we just know that he's a handsome Englishman. When I was taking notes reading the book, I didn't write down a single descriptor of him. Except that he is dramatic at times when it comes to Lucy. Uh, his dad also dies in the chaos of the Western Raw lady's death. So that's pretty sad. The historian of this group is Jonathan Harker because the bulk of the beginning of the book is his diary entries. He says queer a lot in his descriptions. <laughs> he describes things now the minute detail, like minutia. Mm-hmm. He's a nerd cool nerd who references uh, other literature like hamlet and arabian Nights, and he tries to state facts to describe the mysterious events of the castle so he's like about what is real and he's a solicitor which is a lawyer who doesn't have to appear in court and through this job he helps dracula buy all this property in london he's just your uh, average middle class english guy But he has one of my favorite quotes in the novel, which is, I am in a sea of wonders. I doubt, I fear, I think strange things which I dare not confess to my own soul. And it's like, same Jonathan, same. And then the sergeant at arms is Quincy P. Morris. He is the token American who provides laconic speeches. (sighs) Literally every single time that Quincy talks, it's described as laconically. Like almost every single time. And that means basically that it was short and to the point. So I think the Bram was trying to Mm. say things, something about Americans, I guess. Uh, Quincy is from Texas. Uh, He shoots first and explains later. He sadly dies for the vampire hunting cause because of course kill the American in the British book. One cool thing about him is that he mentions using Winchester guns and as a Supernatural fan, that makes me really happy. Okay, second group, vampires who end up being hunted by secret vampire hunting club is Dracula. He's the head honcho, the titular character of the novel. He's one of the most described characters in the book. And at first, when Jonathan meets him at his castle, he describes him as a tall old man, clean shaven, save for a white mustache, a lofty doomed forehead, whatever that means, again with the (laughs) (laughs) forehead. I have a doomed forehead. (laughs) Like, does that mean that it like tells the future that he's doomed? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's got massive, bushy eyebrows. Extraordinary pallor is his brand. And then later, when he's been feeding on that good British blood, Mina says that his face is hard, cold, and sensual. (laughs) Real great. Uh, He's all of a sudden younger with darker hair. He can also assume the form of an animal control the weather and he is stronger than 20 men which van helsing says repeatedly sure van helsing also says he has a child brain because (laughs) his knowledge is gained like a long time ago and that never made any sense to me i was like van helsing you're just being a dutch doctor i guess right now um because it took a lot to catch him all these people A lot of chasing and a lot of money. Um, But anyways, he's dramatic and he uh, says things like, I love the shade and the shadow and will be alone with my thoughts if I may. Uh, He might just be saying that to be mysterious to Jonathan because he wants to go to London, which is a city teeming with people. But that also might just be because he's a vampire. True. Uh, Other vampires are Dracula's brides. There's not really a lot of description of them. Uh, they drink the blood of the baby and uh, Stoker really just leaned into (laughs) gothic for that part. When I, when I read it, I was like, Oh man, terrifying.
1: That was his aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, gross. They
0: also seem to never leave the castle. And they help imprison Jonathan when Dracula leaves. And Jonathan describes them as voluptuous. And the weird Oh, that whole scene,
1: the voluptuous thing, where they, like, imprison him, and they're all, like, leaning in, and they're about to, like, drink his blood. I don't talk about this in my plot summary, so I'm just going to talk about it now. But, like, so the part where they're voluptuous, they Mm -hmm. imprison him. They're about to drink his blood. There's this whole, like, tingling, like- almost moment like will they or won't they it's like they're about to kiss him or like it's going to be a sex scene and then it turns out like oh they're interrupted and dracula comes in and feeds them a baby or whatever it was it's like that's a classic thing that happens in movies like all this sexual tension and then it stops but it's like sexual attention, but they also like want to eat him. So it's just like consumption in many forms. So I just we studied that at length in um senior seminar, that scene. And I never would have probably realized that, but the more you read into that scene, the more you can find it's very strange.
0: Yeah, because he's like hoping that they're gonna kiss him. Like there's a set I don't mm-hmm
1: with me anymore
0: but there's like a sentence where he's like the thrill of whether they like the thrill of whether she would kiss him with those red lips yeah means bloody lips if you're reading this anytime that lip is red it's blood
1: yeah and also red represents traditionally represents a prostitute a woman of the night a whore so there you go yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a weird scene, especially seeing it uh, uh, on screen when I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula with Keanu Reeves. And all of the brides were like boobs out. Well, there you go. Like they yeah. weren't wearing like anything. I was like, mm, this is great. Bram Stoker probably totally imagined this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And just Keanu Reeves looking really blank. Okay. Looking really blank. <laughs> and then jonathan always also describes them as the weird sisters like the witches in macbeth Mm -hmm. so
1: love it i love macbeth
0: it was in tahoe this summer
1: oh my gosh festival were you there or do you just know that
0: i didn't get to go because my mom uh thinks that's too sad and uh depressing
1: really oh
0: go to the Shakespeare Festival together but I didn't want to make her sit through it and I didn't want to go by myself
1: Macbeth Macbeth might be my favorite play really? it is just so good and you could do it so many ways but it's still that root connection between Lady Macbeth and Macbeth is so compelling it's so good oh I just love it and then the Michael Fassbender version I'm in love with it so yeah. good. i want to see it. oh we're watching it when you guys are here hands down
0: <laughs> caitlin will be like great <laughs> <laughs> no choice i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, But yeah, uh, Bram Stoker likes to reference like other writers and other um, influential pieces of literature. So that's cool. Good job, Mm -hmm. Stoker. Uh, And then another vampire is Lucy Weston-Raw. She was the resident damsel in distress of the secret vampire hunting club, but she became a vampire. So she had to be killed by the club. Um, She's beautiful and charming and everyone loves her. Old people, children, men, women alike. She She sleepwalks before Dracula gets to England, which is like already a weird thing that's going Hmm. on. And she's Mina's best friend. And she also has to refuse two marriage proposals in the same day because three men who were like best friends Proposed to her on the same day And that always was weird to me Because they didn't talk about proposing to her At all Apparently not, yeah a friends And they just were like, you know what, I'm gonna do it I won't talk to
1: anyone about it Also, how are these three men friends? Yeah, I, I think that probably um It's Arthur Who like
0: Brings the group together Because as a rich person, he's probably been to America Right And also Rich people have doctor friends.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that he's like the integral part of that group.
1: That would make sense. Yeah.
0: Because I don't even know what Lucy's father did. He was dead before the book started. So, And then also it's sad because Lucy is killed by the three men that love her.
1: That's Mm -hmm.
0: pretty depressing.
1: It seems pretty symbolic. Yeah. It's like we loved her.
0: And we must, he must die. Um, and then the extra characters, we have Renfield, who is a zoophagus. I don't know if that's uh, how you say that, but uh zoophagus maniac in Dr. Seward's mental asylum. He's he's obsessed with consuming life. So he eats flies and spiders, eventually birds and possibly a cat. He's mm-hmm. very gross. He believes that blood is life. And he is somehow in cooots with uh, Dracula because Dracula has promised to make him immortal. Uh, The question that I pose is, was he always crazy and then Dracula took advantage of that crazy? Or did Dracula make him crazy?
1: So how did Dracula supposedly take advantage of that crazy? Like, what was he actually getting out of it telling him that he would make him immortal?
0: Because he was like... He would just get a... um,
1: Lackey, right? I
0: guess he would just like, um, had somebody that was near. I don't even know. I don't even know why Dracula needed him. Right. He's just like, a, he can't help it. Well, the. In connections, because he's crazy.
1: I, the devil's always collecting souls. Yes. So. Yes. It's yeah. just
0: like a weird, like, it was never fully explained in Bram Stoker's Dracula movie. I'm going to keep referencing that because I watched it. He originally went to Transylvania before Jonathan and came back crazy. And then Jonathan <laughs> had to go after and finish his job. So that was an interesting twist, but that's not actually what Bram Stoker did. Um, and then the last character is Miss Weston She was Lucy's mom and she sadly dies of fright because Dracula came into her daughter's room at night as a wolf.
1: I love <laughs> What's the best character description she's lucy's mom that's all we know she dies of fright because dracula comes in as a wolf okay <laughs> that's a lot to process
0: also had a heart condition
1: so sure
0: you know heart condition. it's just yeah yeah dracula came in as a wolf because he <laughs> it, as i mentioned
1: before oh man
0: uh Those are all the characters. Um, Great. great, Love it. Great groups.
1: And am I remembering this correctly? Um, I believe that in Lucy's room, they had like garlands of garlic up and then the maid or the mom, it might have been the mom, like took them all down because they were like, oh, why is this garlic hanging everywhere? And like took it down and then Dracula comes in. Yeah. So it was literally her fault because she's like, I I know why my
0: daughter's not feeling good. It's so stuffy in there with all that garlic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love like, it. Who would put garlic there if it didn't need to be there? She, I don't know. Poor Mrs. West.
1: It's like, I'm going to make... Uh, the office reference probably every episode but it's like on the office when they had decorated for halloween and then they come in and nothing is up anymore and they're like what happened to all the halloween decorations and then it shows the night before the janitor (laughs) with the vacuum (laughs) sucking down all the fake cobwebs that are clearly fake like they're so thick there's no way that they're real but he's sucking them down with the with the vacuum just like do to do doing my job i get the cobwebs i don't give a if yes basically yeah. yeah so that's how i think of her
0: uh but yeah the maids didn't have names and they almost did nothing so
1: go maids right okay great Okay, so I'll get into some plot points. So a lot happens in this book and it's fairly long. I think mine is 281 pages. So Really? I'm going to keep it pretty, yeah. Mine was 400. 400. Mine is fairly small print. Okay.
0: Okay. I was like, "What book did I read?" <laughs>
1: so So um So, I'm going to keep it pretty simple. And um, I'm also relying on some spark notes and old notes from my class. And I did some scans of the book, but it's not super fresh in my mind. So, but I did piece it together and some latent dusty memories came through so i think i got this so as with our first book wuthering heights this book centers around a male traveler's point of view at least in the beginning so jonathan harker is kind of you could say he's kind of the lockwood of this book because it opens the book by writing about his travels through a village on the way to the castle what will be castle dracula i found out it doesn't really have a name it's just kind of castle dracula so he's going there because he's essentially the count's real estate agent, although he's called a solicitor or a lawyer, and he's finalizing the transfer uh, blah, 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 the transfer of a property in England to the count. So people in the village keep muttering stuff to him, curses, and they have crucifixes and they have warnings against his travel plans. And I guess he's just like, "That's weird," and he just continues on. So then he just like
0: blatantly disregards all their
1: warnings, right? It, as in every horror movie, yeah, yeah. It's just like oh, that old lady told me I was going to die by pitchfork. i'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go to the pitchfork farm anyway. It's a beautiful bed and breakfast, so. <laughs> So, he's finalizing the transfer of property in England to the Count. He gets to Count Dracula's place. There's literally howling wolves acting as the soundtrack to his ascent to the castle. Or you could say his descent into hell. So, he meets the Count and he notices that he's pale and thin, but not in a sexy Edward Cullen way. Um... Uh, if you don't think that Edward Cullen is sexy, it's all right because I don't even. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> it's more, I wrote that in sarcasm. Don't worry. Um,
0: not glittery, guys. He's it's
1: terrifying. not the glitter that bothers me. It's the watching me sleep and the invasion of privacy and the fact that he wants to eat me. I'm saying me as if I'm like, you know, as Bella.
0: Uh, equals like a hundred
1: right well i mean most yeah that's what you're getting with most vampires for some reason they're never fresh vampires that you're meeting so yeah (laughs) so uh jonathan also at one point notes hairy palms on count dracula which is possibly a reference to old wives tales about masturbation because that's like very much connected in folklore. Um, So Dracula just kind of is this symbol of sexuality and the forbidden and sin and darkness and all that. So Mina, Jonathan's fiance exchanges letters with her best friend, Lucy Westenra back home. So Lucy is torn between between three suitors. There's an American cowboy, Quincy Morris psychiatrist, Dr. John Seward and a rich boy, Arthur Holmwood. So Lucy, actually really loves the attention from them. And she's open about that with Mina. And Mina is skeptical of her friend's enthusiasm for it. So Lucy becomes sick. And this part I was unclear about. Did Lucy visit the castle and then become sick?
0: Uh, no. Her and Mina started like taking walks in the cemetery. And after that, her sleepwalking got really bad. And it's possibly because maybe Dracula was, like, hanging out in the cemetery and saw her and followed them back.
1: Okay. So this is in England? Mm-hmm. Whitby, I think, is the town. Okay. Or
0: that might have been the inspiration. I just remember Whitby being important.
1: Okay. So after uh, Lucy somehow comes in contact with Dracula. She becomes sick. Her whole character in general seems to represent the corruption of innocence. She begins like a girl. She's always wearing white. And after Dracula has an influence on her, he ruins her. So Dr. Seward, her rejected suitor and not even really a real doctor, question mark, he examines her. It's been a period of time and he can't figure it out. So that's when he calls in Van Helsing. Um. So Van Helsing looks at Lucy and he's like, yep. It's a vampire. (laughs) So then there's a weird extended scene where they're trying to cure her. All the men are surrounding Lucy and they're just like, well, the only solution is to donate blood to her. And they don't know about blood types or diseases or any of that. So they're just kind of like pumping their blood into her. And even if even if she was not a
0: vampire, like she might have died anyways because... yeah people's blood is in her yeah and then van helsing was like to arthur he's like you're so strong we don't even need to strain it i know your blood is good
1: (laughs) ew (laughs) yeah real dark so then um and then she dies so then she comes (laughs) back to life and they find her um like in the graveyard and I'm pretty sure she attempts to suck the blood of a child. Yeah, she's been like
0: uh, picking up kids and drinking their blood. Yeah. Because I guess they call her, uh, what do they call her? Uh, Bloofer lady? Yeah. I
1: think bluefer means beautiful.
0: So the kids are like, this beautiful lady kidnapped me. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm going to read from my essay. So what I wrote about this particular scene is Lucy Westenra Westenra herself becomes a vampire and embodies that which men fear most. She dies and is buried a pure and sweet lady and rises up a monster. When the men discover her, Dr. Seward, Seward, once in love with her, thinks that, quote, her sweetness was turned to adamantine heartless cruelty and the purity to voluptuous wantonness. End quote. She is described as voluptuous multiple times in the passage, and Mariah also said voluptuous, um, reminiscent (laughs) of the bride who has teased Jonathan Harker and teeming with sensuality and bloodlust. She drops a sobbing young child she intended to feed upon when she takes notice of the men who have hunted her down, solidifying her new status as a member of the Count's clan of beastly child-eating brides. Her instinct is to go after Arthur's vulnerability, asking him to lie with her as her husband. She understands in her post-human state that she has sexual power over Arthur and attempts to use it to serve her needs. She is a huntress going after the weakness in her prey. Lucy was once pure and now carnal in her vampiric state. Once she was repressing hunger and sexuality, now it is coming out full force and manifests in her very body. Yeah, so it's kind of like once she turns into a vampire, her entire being is flipped over. She's just totally corrupted by Count Dracula. Yep, that's what he does. Yeah, and I wrote here, she honestly scares me more than count dracula because she has this facade of beauty and innocence and she's always in white so like hell oh, like she's really good at hiding this evil inside the yeah like the devil wears prada like she's she looks really nice but she's evil so
0: they were saying like um at her funeral or at her wake or whatever they're like i can't believe
1: she's dead because she looks even more beautiful in death
0: and she did when she was done. Yeah. So, yeah, gotta watch.
1: That's really compelling. And I love hearing about stories of people who, um, like, they thought that they were still alive or they thought they were undead because their bodies were well preserved after they died. And it would often just have to do with the way they were buried or. Sometimes they would bury people who weren't really dead because they were in a coma or in a deep sleep or, you know, whatever had happened. And then they would wake up and they would scratch the inside of the coffin. And then people would like have dreams like my daughter, my sister, they're alive. They're screaming out for help. And then they would go and they would unbury the body and open the casket and there's scratches on the inside of the casket. So it was real like these people had woken up inside. So a lot of that tied into vampire lore. Like people really thought that vampires were real and that it was possible to come back to life. And so if somebody looked perfectly preserved in their tomb or whatever it was, then it just fed into that vampire lore. And so I think that's the kind of vein that Brom Stoker was riding on. Yeah.
0: It's 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 interesting stuff. Yeah. Like I was reading a lot about vampires, like this last week and it is like really sad because like it was saying, like somebody wanted to just like hit their head. Yeah. And they're like, mm, they're dead. Yeah. Oh man, that's terrifying. Doctors.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Doctors back then were just like, There's a demon inside you, do some cocaine about it. Like <laughs> a- Yeah, like that's a meme, I'm pretty sure. Like just your only solution is to let some blood or put some blood in you or lay in bed or do some cocaine like that's all you got not even drink water which like that's the simplest thing but sometimes that's all you need <laughs> anyway so then the men hunt down dracula after they kill uh lucy they hunt down dracula they kill him he turns to dust Um, But they didn't kill him in the proper way that they had, like, explicitly described. Wait, they didn't? Um, Am I correct in that? I believe that they were like, we have to cut, we have to stab him with a stake, and then we have to cut off his head, and then we have to cut his body parts apart, and then we have to put them in separate caskets. And I don't think they did that. I think they stabbed him, and then he immediately turned into dust.
0: I think maybe, yeah, because I remember, because when Quincy is dying, he, like, stabs him with his big knife.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up.
0: Because <laughs> we <laughs> sound so unsure. I don't remember, actually, because I know that um, Van Helsing killed the brides in that way. By himself, he killed three vampires. I don't understand why it takes so many people to kill the count if Van Helsing can just kill three vampires by himself <laughs> while becoming a vampire.
1: Because he's a guy. Yeah.
0: He's an old guy? I don't know. Ooh, another thing I'll talk about while you're looking for that. Um, So Mina uh, is becoming a vampire because the Count has, like, given her his blood. And all through this where they're chasing the Count. And she basically does that thing that all people say. They're like, if I get to be too dangerous, you have to kill me. She makes everybody promise it. But especially Jonathan. She's like, you got to do it. You have to promise me you're going to do it. I don't like that trope because it's like you're making the person that loves you the most do something that will haunt them for the rest of their lives yeah like why can't you just have some rando person like Quincy like just have somebody else do it and like they're giving the person you love a gift I don't understand why we have to be so dramatic about it
1: okay so I believe that you're correct and that there's, there's a question on here. Does Dracula die in the book? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on, Stoker. You're leaving us with all of these loose ends.
1: Yeah, so it looks like just Quincy stabs him and then Jonathan slashes his throat.
0: Oh, maybe they didn't cut his head all the way off. Slash his
1: throat. I don't think they did. So what I, what I surmised is that... Quincy stabbed him, Jonathan slashed his throat, and then they like put him in a casket, and we're like, okay, done. Yeah. So basically they didn't kill him in the proper way that they had very descriptive like very what's the word? Specifically. Very specifically outlined. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just it left room for a sequel. And I looked it up. There's actually a sequel, a written sequel. Sequel novel written by Brahms' great grandnephew Docker or Daker Stoker. Mm. It is called Dracula the Undead and it's about all the characters from Dracula trying to move on and live their lives after tragedy and trauma. So an interesting thing is that Mina, because she was bitten at one point by Dracula, he took some of her blood. She actually retains her youth and doesn't age. And Jonathan is trying to cope with that and all the weirdness of the first book. And he becomes an addict and like indulges in prostitutes and stuff like that. And then Dr. Seward tracks down the infamous Elizabeth Bathory. Do you know who that is? Okay, talk about it and then I'll talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, from what I recall, she was an Eastern European noblewoman, or she was royalty, and she was a real person who was rumored to have bathed in blood, and she would torture and kill her female um, maids and handmaidens and whatever, and just use their blood to keep herself young, like the classic evil woman trope, but this is like a really famous one because it was so gory and the tales were so big about her and specifically it was like she bathed in blood so yeah she is apparently in this book discovered to be an actual vampire so then seward tracks her down um dracula is indeed undead and a lot more happens but i didn't have time to research it too thoroughly so yeah there's a sequel to Dracula. I don't know if it's good. I'm going to have to read it,
0: definitely. But I did do, like, I looked up Elizabeth Bathory because she's, like, in the list of people when you're looking up Dracula. And, like, from what I looked at, it looked like there was no, I don't know. I don't want to say that she didn't do all those horrible things, but also it was just, like people saying that they found bodies of girls like there was no bodies they're just like well this lady who's very powerful and unwed is doing all these awful things kind of
1: yeah and so there's
0: like a little bit of that because yeah she's considered like one of the most prolific woman serial killers was she actually a lot of questions.
1: If I'm remembering correctly, I think that she was married to someone and then he died, but he was as evil mm-hmm. and they kind of like got off on being evil together. <laughs> so then after after he died, she really just like went for it.
0: Yeah. Because I'm a woman, nobody thinks i want to do this, so I'm going to do it. Crazy.
1: And she went a little crazy. Mm-hmm so yeah it's kind of up in the air because it was the 1600s so who knows
0: <laughs> but yeah i'll have to look up the sequel i didn't even know Daker.
1: now you know all right so you ready to talk about the couples yeah
0: Woo. okay I'm writing down love trident because i don't want to forget it
1: <laughs> i just hit myself in the face with a microphone oh, hey. <laughs> oh just right right in the nose oh Oh,
0: bruise and they ask you at work where do you get that bruise you have to say from a microphone I'll have to say Wait, what did you say? And then you'll have to say it from a microphone.
1: And then- uh, no way I would say that. And then
0: you'll pause, and then they'll have to go through all the ways that you could have hit yourself with a microphone. I bet the first one will be karaoke.
1: Yeah, no, I don't leave the house. So it wasn't <laughs> We're gonna that. We leave the
0: house and we come to visit.
1: It's going to be so. I'm so excited to have a social life again. Oh my gosh. Good. <sighs> okay. Anywho.
0: Couples. What the podcast is about.
1: Yeah you want to do the first couple? Yeah. Okay. Couple. Okay. So couple numero uno. uno. So Dracula and his harem. Harem. How do we feel about Dracula and his harem pants? Just kidding. Old
0: pan Dracula with harem pants. What a look.
1: That would be such a better look than his...
0: Oh, I think that it's weird obviously uh, because it's probably some sort of Stockholm Syndrome situation going on because he's probably I don't even know yep. what time these women women are from they, it doesn't say anything about them just that they're in the castle and they never leave and they rely on him for blood which is mm-hmm. food and sustenance so it's a weird captor relationship going on
1: It. Okay, so I realized that this was written in the late 1800s, but the first thing I thought of was the Manson family when I was trying to to, to think about the relationship between Manson, uh, Manson, <laughs> Dracula and his harem. I thought of Charles Manson and the Manson family. Are you familiar? Yeah, because he like collected
0: a bunch of teenagers, not teenagers, but like young people, and a lot of them were young
1: women, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, and the whole baby imagery like again i realize this was a hundred years before the manson family but they literally these women literally killed a pregnant woman therefore killing her baby she was nine months pregnant oh no and that is real life. That really happens. So um, an evil man can have that kind of power over a young impressionable woman. Woman. So, you know, it all boils down to like women traditionally, and I think I can safely say the majority of women do have a maternal instinct. And some women more than others, like everyone's different. But in that time to read a book where women are killing and eating a baby unspeakable like just imagine the unspeakable unthinkable like just the shock and the horror so those women are so evil but you have to think that it's dracula's influence that has turned them into that he is a cult leader basically
0: yeah he wants somebody he wants to like make people like him because he's alone in this vampirism basically in this castle
1: absolutely and so
0: the only other people that Jonathan sees in the castle are these three vampire women so he's pretty lonely mm-hmm. and so he's like created a little mini vampire army of himself it's gross yeah so uh, i think it i think all of that yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i don't think we even have to say it. i think anything
0: <laughs> i want the british navy to uh fire cannonballs repeatedly into that ship
1: absolutely and i do not want jack sparrow to ride that ship out of the the bottoms of the sea floor. i don't want it coming back up i want it to stay down there like the titanic yeah. i need it to stay
0: dead. dead we sink it with our word
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely it's a uh the tongue is a sword or something like that. The pen is a sword? The pen is mightier than the sword. That's the saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so
0: good. Yes. The pen is mightier than the sword.
1: There we go. Although we're not writing this. We're just talking. But well, we didn't it write it
0: before we spoke it.
1: I didn't write that. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Thanks, Haley. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Second couple. Um, The second couple that we want to talk about is uh, Mina and Jonathan. Uh, The only couple that's married, technically, in the book. Um, Yeah. I wrote down they're uh, pretty vanilla. Yeah. They, um, just like a middle-aged, not (laughs) middle-aged, They're like middle-class English couple. They don't really say I love you to each other.
1: Um, They don't need to.
0: Not even when Jonathan is like afraid he won't make it back, like at the beginning. He's like, goodbye all, goodbye friends and Mina. (sighs) like, There's no like, I love you Mina so much. I wish that I could say this to you. Not even in his journal is he writing this That's
1: something that I really find fascinating is the lack of like – love and like passion in actual marriages in that time period like because I love that time period in general but like I find it really sad like whenever you read anything the passion that people are writing about it's not for their spouses it's for people that they're pursuing but it's it's like the pursuit was the only thing they could write about and then that was it And I don't know if it's changed that much because like I don't know well, it was
0: almost like they were like business partnerships. Yeah, like Jonathan is going to be a lawyer, and Mina is going to like learn how to assist him in that job. Mm-hmm. So like a duo, which is good because they seem to get along. But yeah, there's no there's no passion, and it makes Dracula even more like enticing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's got this like weird passion vibe with him. <laughs> so
1: yeah, it's so. It's so fascinating because at that point, they weren't making arranged marriages. They were choosing their suitors, right? But they were still very conscientious of status and class and the training that women had received, whether that was just to be a socialite like Lucy or to have a trade like Mina with the typewriting. It's, yeah, it's all very Mm -hmm. interesting. I want to study like all the history of marriage. That would be
0: super interesting, actually. We should do an episode about that because we're doing couples.
1: We could do so many different tangents. I love, I
0: love. But ultimately, I do like, I don't hardcore ship them. Yeah. But I think we should be together because of the way that they help each other. Mm-hmm. Because even when Jonathan is like traumatized and can't even speak about being in the castle, Mina comes to him immediately, marries him, takes care of him promises not to read his journal unless they need to like it's just a very like they're on the same page very helpful yeah very good yeah
1: they're a team and ultimately that's like what you need to be as a married couple I think so yeah Mm -hmm. I ship it I ship it like I like I ship uh fruit salad because I know that fruit salad is good it's a staple but I'm not like oh my gosh fruit salad like it's not the healthiest thing truthfully because it has so much sugar but it's not like unhealthy like no one's gonna say fruit salad is unhealthy so like if you have it at a barbecue you're like okay i'm doing a little good for myself because i have this giant hamburger with the patty and the cheese and everything else on it and the bun and but i have a fruit salad so everything is okay
0: that's that's a good i like it i like that
1: they bring balance to the book
0: yeah yeah. And then Lucy and her uh, three suitors. The
1: Love Trident.
0: The Love Trident. I'm going to say the people that I actually ship the most in this Love Trident is Lucy and Dr. Seward. Ooh. Seward. Seward. So because, I don't know, I just don't hear uh, Lucy talk about Arthur a lot other than that he's handsome and rich and then he's very wealthy yeah and so i think that lucy and the doctor would be a good couple because he they're always talking about how they're such dear friends mm-hmm. and he's like they they would be interesting because she's from a different world and he's studying all these different people like i don't know i feel like it would be an interesting couple and i ship that i think more than i ship arthur and lucy
1: sure but also Dr. Seward is creepy. Really? You don't think that he's creepy? Oh, man. I'm about to go in. So he he observes that she's sick. Okay. And his solution as a psychiatrist, not as a blood doctor, is to donate blood. Okay. And he thinks the more blood, the better. Why not? Let's just pump it on into her. So they're all just pumping blood into her on his like recommendation. No,
0: no, that's Doctor Van Helsing.
1: Van Helsing came up with the blood idea. Okay, but Arthur was still overseeing it because he was her doctor.
0: Wait, John is the doctor. Yeah, John and Van Helsing are the doctor. Yeah, and then Arthur is. the youngster. Yeah.
1: Did I say Arthur?
0: Yeah, you're like Arthur's. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he did do blood.
1: <laughs> no. Okay. So, so Dr. Seward is creepy. Although I kind of think that they're all creepy, and I think Lucy needs to be single for a while and figure herself out. I don't think that she needs any of these suitors.
0: But the thing is, her mom's like about to die, and she's alone. Mm-hmm. She's like 20 years old, so she can't. Like, she's gotta gotta lock it down.
1: I. <sighs> Okay, so if she had to lock it down with somebody, who should she lock it down with? Why not Quincy? I'm going with the wild card. Quincy.
0: (laughs) See, I was like, not Seward, because he's like a British guy. And if she wanted to go British, it'd be him. But Quincy is pretty cool. And she would get to go to America. She could go to Texas. I
1: feel like she would love that. Like, because she's a little more open and wild. Like, that would be her thing.
0: And he's like, and like the thing is, like, he's novelty. Like, he's different. Yeah. And, and he's like, I can't get the like movie Quincy out of my mind because he was very southern and he was like, called her like sweet as a peach and stuff. So I just like think of that. And he's wearing one of those fringe jackets. No. <laughs> he's just a sweetheart and he dies. So right. he's a tragic hero.
1: So she dies. So they both die. So they, it's, if- if, if things had worked, we're a little bit too too burp, burp. so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if things worked out, then they're in heaven together now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If Graham wanted them to be together anyways because the other two guys get married. Mm. nobody wallows in sadness and never marries wait really no yeah uh arthur and seward marry other people
1: well here's me discovering dracula for the first time
0: um <laughs> like in that very like in paragraph um mina and jonathan have a son and they name him quincy, because quincy. <laughs> and then the other two guys get married and i don't even remember what happened to van helsing he's off in holland Is that were dutch people then
1: so van helsing summed it all up as he said with our boy on his knee so van helsing lived and is still friends with mina and jonathan quote we want no proofs we ask none to believe us this boy will someday know what a brave and gallant woman his mother is already he knows her sweetness and loving care later on he will understand how some men so loved her that they did dare much for her sake end quote
0: van helsing really liked mina yeah. Like a lot. Jonathan, better
1: watch out. Well, she's cool. Um, she is the new woman, even though she didn't wanna be. I think she is the new woman.
0: The reluctant yeah. new woman. That's a good uh album name. The
1: reluctant new woman. <laughs> um, yeah, so like a specific quote because we talked about this earlier, where she kind of references the new woman and kind of makes fun of it. It, That's how I interpret it. It wasn't explicit. but So before Lucy or Mina are bitten, they're um, reunited and they're enjoying their food, um, but they're enjoying it in the way that, like, girls sometimes feel like they have to eat with, like, sheepish gusto. So kind of like, Mm -hmm. oh, I, I can't believe I ate this much food. Like, blah, blah, blah. When really so bad. Yeah, when really they're uh-huh. like I'm gonna eat everything. Oh, did you say I'm so bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that skit from Oh yes. so good. What what's her face? I can't think of her name. Amy Schumer. I'm so bad. Okay, listeners, you need to listen you need to watch that video. It is so funny. But it ends really dark, just so you know.
0: It does. Like this. Well, no, this book doesn't end dark. It starts. It
1: ends better. Yeah.
0: Try to make a segue. Didn't work. <laughs> you were saying.
1: They're eating with sheepish gusto, um, making Mina think that they, quote, should have shocked the new woman with their appetites, end quote. So Mina plays on the idea of the new woman, which is a symbol of woman's progress and independence as kind of being hungry and self-indulgent. So having an appetite here represents having too much ambition in a way. So Mina scoffs at a woman who is the new woman, who is too forward or too forward thinking. And she earlier did not like that that Lucy was kind of being forward and that she loved the attention that she was getting from the guys. So when discussing in her journal her thoughts on the possibility of Arthur seeing Lucy as she sleeps... She thinks that, the that quote, the new woman writers will someday start an idea that men and women should be allowed to see each other asleep before proposing or accepting. But I suppose the new woman won't condescend in future to accept. She will do the proposing herself, end quote. So Mina doesn't like the idea of women being forward or being too pushy, but I don't know. So the ideal woman who she sees as having one suitor comes out unscathed by the evil advances um, of men. This, In this case, it's Mina being unscathed by Dracula. Um, so apart from sexual appetite and aggression, female vampires are inherently and literally hungry for human blood, blah, blah, blah. So Mina basically like... She doesn't see herself as the new woman although she does have independence and she is intelligent and she is able to help Jonathan with his ventures. I feel like you can make the argument and I kind of did in that essay that Stoker is saying that Lucy is the true new woman and she fails. So Lucy is kind of the more adventurous one. She's less ashamed, she's less conservative. She's more into uh, romance and, you know, whatever, whatever. What she enjoys, indulging herself. And so then she embodies that as being a vampirist, as feeding her appetite, literally. Um, And we see how that turns out. It turns quite evil. So it turns her innocence on its head. And uh, so you could get into that, but I don't know. It's just kind of a side note.
0: It is – I think that it is interesting, though, because – of course, it is a man who's writing this book, and like, who is he to say that it has failed? You know, like the new woman. Like if yeah, he's the new woman. It's like, well, you got freaked out by her and you killed her. There was yeah, no, like reasoning with her. There was no like, if we're gonna argue for the vampire now, which I guess I'm doing. <laughs> Um, like they just killed her like they weren't trying to understand anything about vampires at that point they're like nope dangerous must die murder
1: so this book is a symbol for racism yeah i guess (laughs) no i don't know You could um, argue so many things with Dracula, which is something that I love. Like You were reading earlier that Dracula is a symbol for the spreading of syphilis, right? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry that that's funny, but it is to me. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, um, it's like, was Dracula about post-colonialism? And then somebody else answered and they're like, no, I'm pretty sure it was about syphilis, which was spreading at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a sexual disease and so yeah. by the way to like cure it because they didn't actually have a cure was to like pick a partner like jonathan and amina did and stay faithful to that person and yeah. uh, and then you have a less chance of getting it but dracula is going out with all these other ladies and so that's like he's spreading syphilis
1: yeah well he literally moves around with a legion of rats and rats are forever a symbol of the black death, the black plague. So he himself is the is the disease. He's the symbol of the disease that is spreading.
0: So uh yeah, it is a it is it is a lot of different things. We could talk about anything. It's good.
1: I liked it's it. It's all good.
0: I yes. like the book. It's not that I don't like Jane Eyre. We already know that I don't like Wuthering Heights, but I was more excited to read this because I hadn't read it before. So it was like new information, new researching, because whenever I read a book that I like, I like to look up like the things in it. So this was like a good time. Mm-hmm.
1: I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it when I read it two years ago. I enjoyed it very much. Um Yeah, it's quality, I would say. You know, my opinion matters so much after 200 years, 100 years, 100 plus years. (laughs) It does. All right. Yes. We
0: think Dracula and his harem. We have different ideas on other couples. (laughs) But (laughs) ultimately, though, like, where do the couples sit in this novel? they're not the main part of the mo- oh no the no novel. no the main part of the movie is feeling
1: dracula i think yes the scenery and the just the feeling of the book i just get this like creepy cold dark like dirty feeling when I'm reading the book because of the way that the scenery is described and the way that people are reacting to stuff. And it's just like, it's all wrong. Like you kind of feel sick as you're reading it, like when you get really into it. So the book has this whole theme and feeling around it that is like, Really hard to replicate, which I think is why there's been so many bad Dracula movies. <laughs> yeah. So that's the main thing that I get out of the book when I read it.
0: And then like the couples, like any any romance really that there is, they're just like little pockets of like normal life within this mm-hmm. weird gothic world that Stoker has created. Yeah.
1: It's like they're trying to scramble together their own, would this be a Victorian? Yeah. Victorian life like normal society out of this random world that they're being thrown into that is really not a part of that so yeah i think we should uh end it because blah (laughs) if you would like to get in touch why just kidding if you want to get in touch with us please don't send us 50 boxes of dirt from your homeland that is a reference to the book i don't know if we covered that did we cover that (laughs) we didn't okay (laughs) look at that people there are easier ways to get in touch with us we have an instagram it's at lit in love pod and we have a facebook page lit in love podcast and we have a facebook secret group i don't think anyone's in it yet um it's secret lit in love also subscribe to us um Eventually, we're not on iTunes yet, but when we are, please rate us. We clearly need it. Um, Share us with your friends. Just, just blast it. So thanks to everyone who's already followed our social media and reached out to us with support and reviews. It really means a lot to both of us. We've been putting work into this and despite life things coming up and things getting crazy, we want to keep this going and keep it regular. So we're small, we're independent, we need your support and your broadcasting. So recommend us to your nerd friends. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye.